Right, so the pre-roll. Um... Well, yeah, we haven't, we haven't actually got much time to think about pre-roll, have we? Um, okay, because we're a bit short. Uh, why don't we just pretend we got one, like the end of it or something? Uh, funny. So, uh, what's uh, what's a good punchline? All right. Okay. Okay. So, um, so yeah, and then the salesman turns round to the, the the managing director and says, "No, no, Ethernet." you're listening to the host unknown podcast hello 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 good morning good afternoon good evening from wherever you are and welcome to 2020's penultimate episode of the host unknown podcast uh and welcome jav and andy jav how are you Oh, I'm very good, thanks. How about yourself? Yes, not too bad. I'm a little tired, if I'm honest. Oh. A little tired, but uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Andy, what about you, sir? Not too bad. Can't complain. You know, um, every time you open up with, uh, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, that reminds me of a TV show called Midnight Caller. Um, I don't even remember that from uh, maybe 90s. Late eighties, oh, early nineties. Oh yes, yes, I do. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> which I, used I, to I, end it with, and good night, America, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. Um, uh, I, I sort of. It's a. It's a partial rip off of Frost. David Frost. Yes. You know. Yeah. Uh, or is it Alan Wicker? Hello. Good morning. Hello. Oh, it's got to be Frost, right? Is it Frost? Well, one of them. One of the. One of the classics. Anyway. I thought, um, but no, you just got to steal it and then make it your own, right? Or pretend Absolutely. You make it, pretend so, uh, how come you're so tired? What, what's changing your rhythm? Oh my goodness! <clears throat> I tell you what, he's got I an honest, start... honest, honest, honest day's work under his belt. That's what. <laughs> yeah, over, which over five days isn't bad. <laughs> well, I got a new job, haven't I? Got a new job. Um, wow! Congratulations! Yeah, I, thank you very much. I Are tell you, a tea what, worker now. <laughs> I I do believe what I do fits into that category of essential services. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But so, uh, tell us all about it. Uh, well, I'm working for this uh, wonderful company called Sentinel One. In case nobody had guessed up till now, uh, started on Monday, and I tell you what, talk about being out of your comfort zone. Um, I I I I got no idea what's going on, but it's slowly starting to form, uh, form into a, into into shape. So, get in there, get in there. But it's um, I spent a lot of last week closing off my contracts with TL Two, uh, who will continue to sponsor the Host Unknown podcast. I will I hasten to say, and uh, and then yeah, dropped in at the deep end with Sentinel One this week. Uh, probably the hardest part is the shift from. Um, Office 365 to the G Suite. That's probably the thing that's killed me the most. Okay, that's interesting because I know a lot of people who hate going the other way as well. Um, people that will absolutely, they will die before they switch from G Suite to Office 365. I, th- I think it's what it what you had growing up effectively, if you see what I mean. I th- yeah. You know, because I, I, I've been using Word since version one or two something since like it replaced that. your your version of word perfect <laughs> yeah i was on word perfect 5.1 i remember oh seriously on an amstrad um 
Uh, crikey, what was it? Fifteen twelve, I think it was. With the, with <laughs> Not the two sure. Floppy but drives. It, it's still in the museum if you want to see it. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It was beige, is all I can say. <laughs> uh, very, very beige. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, moving Word Perfect was was what I knew, and then moved to Word and never looked back. And the whole Office Suite. So G Suite, I struggle with. I have to say. Um, and the fact that you have to use it in a browser, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Jeez, where, what's wrong with an app? Uh, you know, that's that's why I like it on iPad and iPhone much more because you get an app for it. It makes sense. I, I, I was like that. In my previous company, we went from Microsoft to G Suite. Now, actually, we were on G Suite and we went to Microsoft. And I loved Microsoft, but most of the company hated it. So we went back to G Suite. What? Yeah. Um, but actually now I've gotten quite used to it. There's some quirks I really don't like, but it's I I think you get used to it. But what's what's yeah. the role what's your role there anyway, Tom? My well, like I said, it's like a key worker role. It's it's vital during these <laughs> these these times. And you know, I think uh it sounds very marketing I, related to me. It's uh, it's it, it is in the product marketing area, yeah. And you know, and I don't really want to kind of, you know, sully the you know the 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 role by putting a label on it per se. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're monologuing, Tom. What is it? <laughs> Security advocate. <laughs> <laughs> See, see, folks, that is the career trajectory. You start off as a consultant, you become a CISO of a global organization. And then you retire, and become an advocate. That's the way. When so you, so when, when were yeah. you a CISO, Jav? I, I just skipped it. I just went straight for, for, for uh, the top. If, if you remember, Tom, he did a video when he played uh, Santa's CISO when they got hacked in the North Pole. That's right. And also a CISO that accepted the risk, as I recall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 12 inches of risks as i recall <laughs> anyway that's great news tom congratulations and i think we've got a new sponsor for the show well let's hope so yes let's actually bow to right. our sentinel one paymasters yeah. absolutely here we go host unknown sponsored by sentinel, sentinel one, one. Ka-ching. <laughs> If anybody from Sentinel One is listening, uh, I'm going to be hitting you up for some money. So, <laughs> probation period. <laughs> probation. Yeah, it's a, in about three months, I'll be hitting you up for some money. <laughs> oh, dear. no, that I have to say, like like many companies, um, it's the the, the or, or many good companies. The people are lovely, uh, and they have. Uh, a pretty strong uh, culture, a good strong culture with some core values as well, which I, I find really important. And I, I was, it was, I was very pleasantly surprised by uh, by that so, sort of stuff. Honeymoon so, phase. I'm sorry, what? Honeymoon phase. Yeah. <laughs> Shush! They're listening. <laughs> Our potential sponsors are listening. Shut up. Anyway, so what have we got for you this week? Uh, our regular features, uh, the not-so-new This Week in Infosec, Tweet of the Week, Billy Big Balls, Rant of the Week, some industry news. And do we have a little people today? Well, Jeff? we'll just have to find out. We'll just have to find out. Gosh, it's almost like we want you to stay to the end. 
So, um, yeah, why don't we go straight on to uh, the first part of our show, which is called... This Week in InfoSec. So, this Week in InfoSec is uh, typically the content liberated from the Today in InfoSec Twitter account as uh, we stroll down memory lane as to what happened in this sector over the years um, for that little hint of nostalgia. Um, However, this almost turned into a rant of the week because you know what? He's not updated it that much this week. Literally one story from there (laughs) this week. Oh, really? (laughs) So, it's been a very quiet week uh, in InfoSec over the years. Uh, so much so, I actually went out and found my own story what? Uh, on this one. But starting off with what we did have available to us, um, this takes us back to 3rd of December, 1980. So a mere 40 years ago, uh, long before I was born. And uh, when, Tom, you were probably finishing uni about this time. <laughs> um, uh, not the, <laughs> the Australian Law Reform Commission chairman uh, called for new laws to deal with computer crime. Uh, as he said, the old definition of theft was not apt for a fleeting, transient medium, the ephemeral flicker of a screen or information stored on a disc. Um, I love that phrase. It is a great phrase. And to think this was 40 years ago yeah. he used that phrase. And, you know, this, this is uh, someone who saw the um, times were changing and how laws, you know, laws don't change quickly, you know, unless you've got yeah. a president who just wants to rubber stamp things and look after his buddies. But otherwise, you know, there's a big, long process to go through, um, you know, making these laws. And, you know, they are difficult to get right, to be all encompassing yeah. um, and yet, you know, allow some movement, um, you know, for, for that interpretation, almost like a good security policy, um, you know, I'd say on that one. But um so back in 1980, if you think now that the current laws that we have protecting against, um, I guess, computer misuse, uh, you know, in the UK, that's the Computer Misuse Act of 1990. So that's yeah, 30 years 10 old. years later. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got the, um, the, the, you know, the US equivalent, I think, you know, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act 1986, um, you know, sort of six years after that phrase. So it's... Australia's been quite forward thinking in much of this sort of legislation. I think it's yeah. part of them being like a like a new country. And I mean that in the sort of yeah, in not in a convict possible. colony kind of way. It's uh, uh, oh, absolutely yeah. not. No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no not, <laughs> but no, not you're very right. They've come up with their own laws, you know, because given given where they came from and all. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, and you're right. And just um, you know, taking this to uh, you know another one of my passions. Uh, I think my my first time in Australia, I was surprised to see that uh, their McDonald's uh, were at McCafe's uh, instead of McDonald's, and that they did a lot more on the salady stuff, but without all the uh, calorific Thousand Island dressings and stuff and their like that. Packaging was cardboard, and I'm going back to the late '80s here. Their packaging was cardboard. Yeah, very, um, very. You're right. Very forward thinking. That uh, yeah. the whole country, very environmentally conscious as well. Um, you think about reusable bags and, and things like that. You know, they had those long before before we did. But we digress. So I, I guess it's just really highlighting how difficult it is for lawmakers to, um, you know, come up with these guardrails for an ever-changing environment that we live in. Um, but, yeah, there, there was a uh, uh, this man 40 years ago, Justice Kirby, uh, his name was, um, you know, saw this coming and said that we should be addressing it. 
And so the second and then it, did, did oh, Justice ahead. Kirby subsequently retire and set up a vacuum cleaning company? Uh, <laughs> which which Jav didn't you buy into? Didn't no, you? I didn't. <laughs> I'm sure I you did. were. A, didn't you tell me you were a vacuum cleaning salesman at one point? No, no, no. Yeah, I was far more respectable. I no, bought he, one he of said these. he sucked. There's a difference. Oh, yeah, that's right. What did you buy, Jeff? Uh, I, I bought into one of the uh, the dreams of um, reselling telephone services. Oh, wow. Uh, where, you know, when a BT was deregulated and everyone uh, could right, yeah. And there was a company that came from America. It, it, in America, it was called Excel, and in Europe, it was called Eurexcel. <laughs> and, and basically if you signed up you know three people you got a bonus and then well you, you had to pay like a couple of hundred pounds it's a traditional mlm sort of so, thing so if they signed up people you got money as well yeah and right then, and then I'm, after, get, I'm getting the shape of this company yeah. already yeah yeah it, it's it's uh it was very solid structure like you know how like the pyramids of giza have stood with <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. bet you they use that analogy in their, in their pictures. Javad <laughs> Madoff Malik. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, if you sign up three people and they sign up three people and they sign up three people, by level seven, you've got 2,140 people. Um, now, this seems burned into your brain. You could get 2% off everyone's phone bill. Now, average that out, you know, you could be making about 20 grand a month. Now, let's assume a 90% failure late rate. You'd still only get two thousand a month. Now you tell me, does two thousand pounds a month extra to you for doing nothing sound appealing? <laughs> did you try and sell this to other people? I did. Yes. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, yeah, so shame. when selling that snake oil failed, you got into security. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, the snake oil and security is far superior to any other snake oil in the world, trust me. There's more gullible uh, customers, right? More gullible clients. <laughs> oh, dear, Andy, move on oh, before dear. we destroy this man any further. Yeah. <clears throat> so the second story which I found was, this is one I had to search for myself, uh, looking around, and this is from the 1st of December 2012, so a mere eight years ago, and this one actually surprised me. Uh, when I found it, because to me, eight years ago isn't that long, um, you know, in, in infosec terms. So this is Pepsi Cola's official website in the Philippines was hacked by the Malaysian hacker group CyberSec. Um, and the hackers didn't get access to any sensitive information, um, but they did change the appearance of the website. And what I loved about this was that it's a, it's a throwback to the sort of late 90s, early noughties of how hacking used to be done. You know, th these groups didn't go in and sort of steal, um, you know, data and then, you know, ransom it. And, the, you know, they didn't monetize at the time. It was all for fun. You know, the good old days when you just went out, did a little bit of defacement. And, yeah, they went out and drew glasses and a Hitler moustache on, on posters, right? Yeah, yeah, digital equivalent of that. Yeah, yeah and there's, you know, it, it took me back to looking um, through attrition's um, old mirrors that they used to have. Oh, but, um, yeah. you remember they used to run a mailing list as well, which announced defacements. Like if you think it just wasn't, you know, hacks weren't as frequent as they are now. Now it's just BAU. But back then it was like, oh, big deal. Like, you know, um, 
you know, that some of these defacements were really creative as well. You know, some were like declarations of love. There was like, you know, one hacker sort of saying, hey, you know, Moxie, this is for you. Um, but they, they used to include a link back to the original file, um, like, you know, the original uh, file. So they didn't destroy anything. They'd sort of say, hey, um, sysadmin, if you're looking for your backup, it's here. Like, you know, they yeah. have a link yeah. on the site. Um, but, yeah, this surprised me. I mean, Cyberset were very much active, um, you know, at least until last year. They've got mirrors up until, uh, you know, 2019, um, you know, in their sort of hall. Um, but it also reminds me, like, taking the nostalgic route, there was um, a hacker called Eve Angelica, um, and she was a really creative hacker. I, I don't know if you remember, um, you know, some of the stuff she used to do back in the day, but uh, she had parody other hackers' defacements. <laughs> um, you know, just oh, very meta, <laughs> very meta, uh, but also very creative. And there's one. Do you remember the um, uh, the Miss Jackson who sang uh, "Sorry, Miss Jackson"? Uh, yeah, that one. Who sang that? Outcast. Outcast. Yeah, and she did one where it was like, um, you know, she put the lyrics on the side saying, like, you know, I'm sorry, sysadmin. Uh, you know, I am for real. Uh, never meant to make your server cry. I apologise a thousand times. <laughs> probably, just... She probably won a pony for that. Well, it, yeah, if only the ponies recognised talent. Eh? Yeah, but, well, um, yes. But, yeah, so this uh, second one, there, there's links in there. Take you to... Um, it's sad. I noticed Attrition took down their mirrors uh, of defacements. I hadn't been there for a while, but it was always a good... Uh... Well, they, they've got to be maintained at the end of the day, haven't they? So yeah. Well, I mean, I thought even you know they'll just keep the archive up until um, you know 2010 or, or whenever, but they didn't. They've actually taken down all those archives. Um, but zone-h.org still has their uh, mirrors up, yeah. um, and there's some links in the show notes to um, go and oh, see what it used to be like. The the thing about these defacements is, you know, I get it. It does. It still takes a bit of skill to to deface them. But no, knowing what I know, most large companies totally subcontract out their um the building of their websites etc to people who are extremely creative but not necessarily security minded yeah and so it a lot can't... of marketing firms and things like that yeah exactly and there's nothing wrong with that you know as such but but the they can't have been that difficult to break into no if you see what i mean yeah i mean some of these are really I mean, it's literally as much as um, you know, logging in directly into the Apache server. Yeah, <laughs> with yeah, you know, like yeah. admin, admin, or, or whatever, and just, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. Going to the index file and, and changing that. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But uh, yeah, it's uh, but nonetheless, a lovely old trip down memory lane. Thank you, Andy. This week in InfoSec. So, what have we got next for you? Um, oh, Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week. And actually, this week, it's me. Tweet of the Week. So, uh, this Tweet of the Week is from somebody called Brianna Wu. That's at Brianna Wu. That's with a W and a U at the end. Uh, and the tweet says... Data analyst, in inverted commas, working with Trump uh-oh, and Sidney Powell, trying to trick Trump supporters into getting her £51,000 Mac Pro, which is roughly $68,000. There is no conceivable reason she'd need this. I especially like her also asking for the $8,000 monitor only professional colorists need. 
Let's uh, so looking at that tweet. This is from somebody called uh, Sarah Eaglesfield. She has the blue tick. <coughs> uh, and okay. verified. Uh, verified, absolutely. Uh, so the tweet says, seeking a benefactor to get me a Mac Pro. So I'm actually able to audit the voter data I have now, over 100 gig. Uh, costs a ridiculous amount at a go slow till I upgrade. Maybe a business who no longer use or needs to update their machine. Big ask. And then there's uh, the Apple uh, 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 shopping basket with the um, desktop Mac Pro, a maxed out desktop Mac Pro, I have to say, and the, la and the monitor. Brianna Wu then goes on to say, 3D professionals rendering 4K movies all day might need the $67,000 Mac Pro. A studio of several hundred devs recompiling a team version of something like Forza constantly might need a $67,000 Mac Pro. A data analyst studying spreadsheets does not. It's absurd. Now, I don't know about you. I think Brianna Wu here is, is Apple gatekeeping myself. <laughs> So, Tom, you know? uh, Tom, just before you, you know, you sound so offended as if that resembled you. Did you take that screenshot and send it to Sentinel One? Say, this is what I need to do my job as a security advocate. Well, well, I did say that the um, the MacBook turned up and it was silver. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at look at you know. So, so um, <clears throat> although actually, and an aside, the silver aesthetic now fits better into my into my work desk. I've, I've completely shifted it around, so I quite literally have a desk full of white stuff, and this this desk I'm working at now is all black and space gray stuff. Awesome. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, when I have a desk full of white stuff, it, it's a completely different direction <laughs> to what you're talking about. It means I'm about to pull an all-nighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, yeah, well, I'm joking. You need you need milk to keep your bones strong. Let's face it. Um, so yeah, what's the problem here? So okay, so it's an expensive Mac, but it should last her a while. And, yeah, you know. This is a, a fifty thousand dollar Mac. No, it's a sixty-seven thousand dollar Mac. Get it right. So a fifty thousand pound Mac is. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, that is just <laughs> ridiculous. And uh, do you know? Oh, have you seen that subreddit, uh, "Choosing Beggars"? Oh yeah, yeah you yeah. know where it's. <laughs> this is what this strikes me as. Uh, you know, but the sad thing is that because she's talking about what is this going to help? Trump or like you know buy yeah, into this, that narrative. This will, that... this will help Trump. She's a, she's a she's a Trumpist. Yeah. Uh, not doesn't mean she plays the trombone or the trumpet, but she's a Trumpisted. And um, basically, she's jumping on the bandwagon of Trump asking for money for pe from people to pay pay his debts, even though they think they're contributing to a campaign fund of some description. This is and I think this, this this is riding that. And I would put money on the fact that she's probably had it bought for her. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be yeah. surprised at all. So, um, so keep an eye out on my Twitter later on, folks, <laughs> because I tell you what the um, the audio files I have to deal with to to edit this podcast, especially when these two clowns send me MP4s for audio files. <laughs> do, you, um, do you know what, Tom? You, you go in the wrong direction. No one really cares about that. But if you target. <laughs> Say something like you got some Brexit processing to do. 
Yeah, there's going to be yeah. some people that jump on. Oh that. man, yeah, of course. And like Brexit, I don't have to deliver anything. <laughs> It'd be brilliant. So yes, uh, Sarah Eaglesfield, if you are listening, we know you are. <laughs> let us know if you got it, and also if you got the right colour as well. Um, because we'd be fascinated, and if you got any extra money sloshing around, you too could be a sponsor of the Host Unknown podcast. So that, folks, was this week's Tweet of the Week. Very good. <sighs> Always good when I get a, an Apple story. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Host Unknown Podcast. More fun than a security vendor's briefing. Let's move on, shall we? <clears throat> Jav, I think you're up next uh, uh, for this week's... Billy Big Balls of the Week. I'll just uh, crash the jingle. Oh, my God. That is a long one. I will just crash that jingle. You know, like, when we said, let's quickly check the levels before we hit the record button? Um, I think we're slightly off. Those jingles are coming in a little bit loud, you know? Okay. But, uh, I'll drop it down one, and it should um, it should normalise it in the in the post anyway. <laughs> Fix it in post. Fix yeah. it in post. That's right. Yeah. That's should, should I should I go again? No, it's all good. Okay, <laughs> it's all good. So from one Apple story to another, that's what brings us to this week's Billy Big Balls, Ooh. and there is a story of a Google researcher. Um, what? That Google researcher is doing poking around at iPhones. I'll leave that to your own imagination. I bet he's got the full support of the whole team when it comes to, um, yeah. you know, sort yeah. of. I bet yeah. they've got a whole team dedicated to it. Uh, you know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. or he's he's certainly got uh, enough expenses to pay yeah. for all the kit he needed to do this. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, according to the headline, he only needed. Um, $100 uh, in Wi-Fi gear and a Raspberry Pi. So not that much at all. Um, uh, no, 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 no. You're looking at the wrong side of the equation here. Oh, but oh, the, the 26 phones that he had. Yeah, the 26 iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> Brief of concepts. Yeah. Anyway, um, Ian, <laughs> this is yeah. like when you're dealing with the accountant and it's like CapEx or OpEx, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, right. below the line or above the line. Yeah, we yeah. can yeah, hide if, this one. If, if if I buy these for testing and then give them to my family, <laughs> does that make it OpEx? <laughs> R&D. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, um, Ian Beer is the name of the researcher. And according to... Ian Beer? Beer. Beer. Oh, right. Oh, I, thought he, I thought he was moonlighting then. Okay, so for six months of 2020, while locked down in the corner of my bedroom, surrounded by my lovely screaming children, I've been working on a magic spell of my own. It's a wormable radio proximity exploit, which allows me to gain complete control over any iPhone in my vicinity. So let's Ooh. read that again. It's a wormable radio proximity exploit which allows me to gain complete control over any iphone in my vicinity uh, view all the photos read all the emails copy all the private messages and monitor everything happens on there in real time now if that is not a billy big balls move uh, from from a hacking perspective i do not know what is uh, part of me is feeling like i oh, 
he was probably saving it up for Black Hat Europe or something. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. with the pandemic, he just had to settle with just selling the story to Vice. <laughs> but, but do you know what? This is um, huge because he really could have a you know sold this um, you know to nefarious underground people who, who I'm sure um, he would have contacts with or you know would be able to seek out. Um, he already has. He's he works for Google. Oh well, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so and that always makes you wonder, doesn't it? How long have they been using this before? Uh, <laughs> yeah, before it comes. But I mean, you're great. This this is a great, you know, Billy Big Paul story, and there's a really good video um, attached to the article as well, where he's got is that 26 phones just in front, you know, on the screen, and he yeah. just shows them, like he just kills them all, um, you know, with one button. It's just amazing, uh, you know, fantastic visual to go with this story. So the other thing that this occurred to me, uh, that occurred to me on this story, is that he's been working on it for the last six months. Great. The vulnerability that it exploits was actually patched back in July, I think it was. So this is a story about patch management. Well, it is, but it's a bit more than that. And let me just uh, let me just talk to you about this, because I was thinking about this very thing when I when I read the story a couple of days ago. And I thought, well, yeah, it is just about patch management. And how long do people wait with that annoying red dot on their phone yeah. to upgrade? But then the, there's a few things about it. Obviously, um, some people are just lazy or they don't want to be the first in case, like, you know, it bricks their, their, their phone or, or, or something, Tom. But there are a lot. Never of people, had a brick phone. There, there are a lot of people out there in the world who have got older phones that just either are incapable of upgrading or um people are worried that if they upgrade they're gonna it's gonna slow it down severely yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so these are these are phones iphones are two years plus old and there still is a very large uh, um number of those out there a, a vast majority of the world they're not privileged like us uh, like we are uh, in that we can buy a new phone whenever, you know, once a year even if, if if we wanted to. There are a lot of people that can't do that. So it actually got me thinking that, you know, this is becoming one of those things where security is becoming one of those privileged areas where if you can afford it, you, you can you can do it. And, and so, Yes and no. Well, yes and no. no. Well, if you can't afford a new phone, you can't get – and this is, isn't just an iPhone issue. This This happens on Android as well. You buy cheap Androids, and some of them just you can't upgrade them at all. They're just filled with bloatware from the. It's it's absolutely exacerbated on on a platform like Android, definitely. Yeah, because their their support time frame is something like eighteen months or something ridiculous. I think it's four years or or six years, something like that, or so many generations. Because I think the original iPhone SE can still run on uh, fourteen. Um, Probably not the best experience. I totally get that. But that is really an old phone. That is, uh, yeah, like I said, about five years old, something like that. And and there are still so many people that use that and they can't afford to upgrade from that. And just like when you look at the entire security experience, someone buys an iPhone or they get handed down an iPhone. In in this case, it's probably a handed down iPhone. Um, They're going to spend like, money on getting a screen protector and a case because they don't want to drop and break it. Um, and then we say to them, hey, don't reuse passwords. So then they might take out a subscription with a password manager for you know X amount per year to, to help manage all their passwords. We want them to have MFA. 
we 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 don't, you know so it, it it just i think when when you think about everything as an industry we advise the consumer to do and this goes beyond just phones but i think just in general um i don't think we we really are conscious in design or in decisions as to how this impacts people that either don't have the resources financially or time wise or or knowledge wise in how to adapt to that so yeah, I, I I agree with that, but I also would say that like any sort of cultural change, like we're going through with smartphones, etc., there is a transition period. It's a bit like the argument that said that broadband is could not be considered a utility. Well, until this year, actually, you know, this year broadband is an absolute essential and should be covered by the same protections as you know your gas and your electricity are. Uh, And I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying exactly that. It's it's a cultural change, and that's why these conversations are important. And they're important to bring out and important to have, and they're important to influence the people that are helping design and shape the future. And that, folks, is why the Host Unknown podcast is here, to bring you the very latest in consumer protection news on the information security front. Uh, So, yes, I think we're violently agreeing over this uh, completely. But um, yeah, I I, th- I found it absolutely fascinating. I have to say that's 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 a hell of a hack. Actually, it's it's one of the more impressive. Certainly, certainly more impressive than just uh, defacing the Pepsi Cola website <laughs> I, I, in the Philippines, not globally, just the Philippines. You know, this is one of those vintage kind of DefCon hacks that yeah. you just don't see many of them. No, this would have been pwned to own sort of front yeah. page for. Uh, yeah. In, in 10 years' time, host un, the Host Unknown podcast is going to look back and say, this week in InfoSec, <clears throat> back in 2020, remember that year? Uh, so-and-so. So, yeah, this this is an absolute classic, I have to say. Wow. You, you have long – you have high expectations of how long we're all going to live. Yeah. Well, good on you, Tom. Good on you. Live? I don't think we're even going to, you know, recover after Christmas and get back onto the first episode on what is it, January the eighth or whatever. I'm, I think you two, like last night, are just going to come up with excuses for why, you know, not to do it. But oh, I've got a meeting. Oh no, I can't do it. Nine thirty tonight? No, not a chat. I can't do that. No, come on. I don't know. Some of us have got brand new jobs, and we're we're risking them by doing the podcast. You know. <laughs> anyway. That was this week's rant of the week. Uh, <laughs> Jav, thank you very much for uh, this week's Billy Big Balls of the Week. Andy, what time is it? Oh, it's that time of the week where we go over to our reliable sources over at the InfoSec PA Newswire, who have been very busy bringing us the latest and greatest security news from around the globe. It's this week's Industry News. Experts call for online fake news to be addressed as hashtag COVID-19 vaccine emerges. Industry news. How to reduce fake news in online advertising. Industry news. Remote workers admit lack of security training. Industry news. Hashtag think cybersec. Reconsider hiring strategies to meet 2021's digital challenges. Industry news. Hashtag think cybersec. Don't presume legacy tech is a negative thing. Industry news. Salesforce set to acquire Slack for $27 billion. Industry news. 
Native cloud security control still not good enough. Industry news. Hashtag Web Summit. Companies of the future should focus on data privacy rather than data collection. Industry news. And that was this week's... Industry news. Huge if true. Blimey, Salesforce acquiring $27 billion for a thing that sits on your desktop and annoys the crap out of you. Fantastic. Bridging that gap between the sales org and the development community and the tech stream that, uh, um, you know. That, that, I, I always uh, thought the sales community could use Slack. Uh, they could. I, t- I think they tend to uh, use Chatter more. On the, so, well, in my experience, anyway, the, the users of Salesforce. Um, they, they don't like to talk to techies. And then yours, Andy, about remote workers admitting lack of security training. Uh, interesting enough, I did a presentation yesterday uh, for a conference in Greece about just that. Oh, you know, okay. Awareness training during times of crisis. It was it was fascinating. Um, would have helped if I hadn't finished the presentation at one a.m. the previous morning, but uh, um, <laughs> or that morning. But uh, yeah, it went very well. Went Do you know well. what? This is the, the irritating thing about this story is that um, as you read it, you'll see that Jab's actually quoted in it. <laughs> what? Uh, and I picked it I'm out. Quoted not in just that, but in many other stories this week. What do you mean, many other stories? What do you mean in many other stories? Hold on, I'm trying to run run the run the jingle. Hold on, not that one, Tom. Javid's weekly stories. That's the one. What do you mean, not that one? That was the one. No, I don't know why I thought it was the wrong one. <laughs> oh my god! Do you want to run it again? <laughs> no, yeah. I want everybody to know you're incompetent. <laughs> Microsoft's new productivity score and workplace tr- workplace tracking. Here's the problem. Industry news. There's no vaccine <laughs> or ransomware. Industry news. <laughs> admit lack of security training. Industry news. Microsoft 365 corporate privacy invader masked as a collaboration tool. Question mark. Industry news. NHS error exposes data on hundreds of patients and staff. Industry news. Sales of CEO email accounts may give cyber criminals access to the crown jewels of a company. And that was this week's Jabs Industry News. Javid's Weekly Stories. Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> Smooth <yeah>. if true. <laughs> uh, so I did see a troubling story uh, because I yes. did not realise that we had accepted uh, this uh, resignation. So it looks like uh, the InfoSec Stig is moving roles as of 17th of December. Yeah. Uh-oh. Could that have something to do with why we're stopping uh, the podcast? For well, a I mean, um, it's – I mean – you know, we're stopping next week, and then you know, a week after he's he's chucking it in. I mean, you know, he, he obviously doesn't feel like he's got anything to live for, which it's is a cause bit and effect, right? Yeah, cause exactly. and effect. Uh, yeah. But but well, he or she, that is. he or she, yeah, yeah. My mind you, this could be like the grand unveiling unveiling of the infosec stig, because you click on that and you'll work out who it is. No, no, I think we we we've covered our our opsec is. Is, uh, yeah. you, you'll never figure out who the InfoSec Stig is. You'll never figure it out. <laughs> you 
never... Even the InfoSec stick doesn't know who the InfoSec yeah, stick is. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, we will be very sad to see the InfoSec stick move on. We do wish absolutely. the absolute best. Him or her. In whichever role they find themselves in, in the future, uh, if they know where they're moving, they haven't divulged to us where they're moving. Uh, so we don't know whether they can consider uh, continue to providing us with this. But thank you so much for the stories. Um, we are looking for applications to for someone to take over the role of the InfoSec stick. Otherwise, we'll be stuck with Jav's industry news every week, which I am perfectly happy with. Although, in fairness, in my new role, we could also add Tom's industry news. <sighs> Rookie. I can, I can, I can hear Andy's eyeballs rolling in his uh, head. Did you actually hear that? I thought that I thought I'd <laughs> muted myself because uh, I knew <laughs> they were going to hit eyeballs. the. Yeah, I thought they were going to hit the top of my skull so hard you would hear it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, oh god, I got oh, sleepy geez. around here all of a sudden. <laughs> so the way to fix it is maybe we replace Andy with someone who is an advocate in the industry. Then we can have the three advocates podcast. Actually, it'd be yeah. a lot easier, wouldn't it? Do you know is what? That- yeah, then you're going to have no one doing any work. You know, that's the problem. At least we're now down to 33% capacity, and you guys want to chuck in the guy that's actually doing all the work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you carry on like that, Andy, I'm just going to mute you. You know that. Yeah. Don't <laughs> then we'll see how successful we are. Oh, dear. Right, we, let's, let's move on to, I guess, you know, Andy's little contribution to the week. <laughs> Uh, for this week's Rant of the Week. So this is the story which um, got a few people up in arms a while back. So this story starts off with Microsoft uh, apologising for enabling a feature um, called Productivity Score, which critics said was tantamount to workplace surveillance. Um, Now, this workplace surveillance tool that uh, the critics refer to it as um, is one of Microsoft's productivity tools uh, as they release. And it's actually first released, you know, last year. Um, So I don't know why everyone suddenly got up in arms about it. Uh, But it sort of shows a lot of data about, you know, how you're spending your day, uh, like number of emails, times that you've got meetings, like the amount of times you interact with someone. Um, and people looked at this as a way of giving the, uh, I guess, IT admins or managers the ability to drill into people's day-to-day working and sort of, you know, look at that data and, and sort of really determine whether or not they're working hard enough. Um, so Microsoft has since backtracked. You know, they've even apologized. They said they're going to make changes to the service. They're going to, you know, they still want to help people, help administrators and managers, you know, get the most from the products. Um, but they're no longer going to make it uh, so you can drill down to the individual employee level. Um, and whilst you might be thinking that a lot of people, obviously because you know the rants coming from everyone thinks this is an abuse of privacy or you know it just micromanaging people, uh, my rant is actually the other way. Is I'm a big fan of this productivity tool. Um, I do not use it on, uh, you know, my team, but I actually use it to help me organize my day. Uh, You know, so this tool will actually tell me, hey, you you regularly have interactions with this person. Do you want to set up a regular meeting? 
um, you know, do you want to schedule a 30 minute meeting like once a week? Or, uh, you know, you said that you would respond. It looks like you committed to respond to something. You haven't done it. You know, all this. I find this really useful. Um, And I think there are far too many snowflakes that think that everything is an abuse on their liberties when, you know, all Microsoft's doing is providing the data. And, you know, the abuse comes from how you use that data. You know, and it's, it's you know, the old arm. Data can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Well, just like Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. Right? Oh, my God. You sound like an American, like, the guns don't kill people. Like, this is my right. I can, you know, Smith and Weston. They just provide the guns and the bullets. Like, you know, it's up to people how they use it. There is a degree of responsibility that organizations need to make. And the thing is that, you know, these tools are as much about enabling abuse as they are of, like, you know, any other form of thing. And that's well, something yeah. needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be acknowledged that, you know, if you think that there's some managers out there that won't use this data to abuse it, then you need to get your heads out of the cloud, sunshine. Hey, I, I don't believe that. Uh, believe me, I know that data is misused. But why are you targeting the tool that provides that data for, you know, the vast majority of people that have got good intentions with it? Um, rather than actually targeting the bad managers that are using it to, um, you know, it's like of... firewall logs, firewall logs, and um, the oh, tracking the old of... UR proxy logs, like the URL yeah. filtering, like what, yeah, exactly. what websites so, people are going to, right? Exactly. It's one of those things where you've got the data. You will look at it if there are concerns, you know, or if if you believe somebody's slacking off or doing something illegal or you know or. Uh, against company policy or whatever, you've got the data. It doesn't mean you have to use it. And I think <clears throat> on the whole, I, I generally agree with you, Andy, but I think it, that the problem is that Microsoft is setting it up in such a way that it's completely open for abuse rather than actually you have to work quite hard to abuse it, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the, the where they've probably settled now is – where it needs to be, which is you look at your entire team or you, you know, or the data is anonymized or whatever. So, because it would, it would be useful to know what's productivity like on a Friday afternoon, you know, do I lose 10% of my working week because people are just, you know, surfing the web? What can I do to help people do that? Or is that acceptable? Do I, do I then make sure that they're fully productive the other 90% of the week and let them chill out on the, you know, on the Friday afternoon or whatever. But looking at those sort of trends will actually help you help make uh, a team more more effective. Because um, I, I like it. 1973 called it wants its management practices back, Tom. 1973. What happened to, what happened to do, you, do you mean 19? Do you mean Orwell? 1983. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> 1984, maybe. 1984. Sorry, yeah, eleven <laughs> years out. <laughs> <laughs> so, I forget these advocates see things in the future, right? <laughs> no, no. Is uh, there's certain tasks, certain roles where you need excessive monitoring and like say in a call center how long you're on a call for and everything and and those are excessive monitoring is okay yeah so why is that so subjective why call center it's not subjective look there's certain uh, certain job functions where you need a certain sla and a lot of them are when it's like customer facing and you know it's to protect the customer and to ensure certain targets are met and what have you what i'm talking about here is a general role in within organizations, a lot of them, you don't need this. What you do is you say, here are some tasks, 
get them done. And as a manager, you shouldn't really care whether it takes them an hour to do it or 10 hours to do it if they deliver the job on time and to the quality that's specified. But what if they're taking 60 or 80 hours to do it in a week and they're obviously struggling but don't want to let you know and so therefore are going to burn out and you're going to lose a valued member of of staff when actually you could have intervened and helped out sooner. Yeah, especially with remote workforces. Exactly, exactly. It goes both ways. Um, It's fine if you're, you know, the manager that props himself up on the – you know, on the side of the cubicle and says, oh, I'm going to have to get you to work this Sunday, <laughs> you know, uh, holding your coffee mug. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and that's fine. You can see how people are working. You can see if that somebody's in the office at six in the morning and, yeah. you know, leaves at 10 at night. You can't do that with remote workforce. I'm not saying that it's, this is a surveillance activity. This is a, a productivity and wellness activity. If it's used correctly, well, that's, that's a big, big caveat. That's a big if. It is. It and, is a big if. And, You're and absolutely I, right. I really don't believe that it will go in in the favour of most people. Yeah. So ruin it for everyone because a couple of people can't control themselves. It, it's not a couple of people. It's not. It's not at all. It's, so why are we not addressing that problem? This is like to me. This is like saying um, we're treating you know, the symptom, not the disease. Yeah, like when uh, you know girls are told they got to cover up at school because boys get excited when they show their shoulders. It's nothing you know? like that. Uh, no, it's exactly like the, the 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 productivity tool is literally treating the uh, the, the symptom and not the root cause. The root cause is you need better management, managers. You need better management practices. But you need data to make decisions. That's what we're saying. You need to treat the root cause. You need to treat better it's management. That's exactly what it. we're saying. You know, if I had the mute button, I would mute you both right now. <laughs> you know it. what, Andy? There we go. That's that's a bit better, isn't it? Andy? That is a bit better, isn't it? I'm still here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I thought we'd we'll see. He's, he's still trying to talk. He's, he's not realised. He's still trying to talk. You bastard. <laughs> I thought you. <laughs> oh, dear. You you actually agreed with us, Jav. You said you, you actually agreed with us. Oh, my God. <laughs> History right, will anyway. prove that you were on the wrong side of this That debate. was this week's. <laughs> Rant of the week. <laughs> Jav, you can make it up to us all by telling us about your little people. Little people. Um, so I had to look uh, far and wide for this person. Um, very good um, friend of the show. He's worked in security for a long time. A Chinese man and a very talented photographer. It's it Leslie Lama- Chow. It is not Leslie Chow, it's William Lau, which rhymes with Leslie Chow, so I suppose in Cockney you could say it is Leslie <laughs> Chow. <laughs> and I wanted to know what challenges he had to overcome um, being a Chinese person who might be suspected of working for the government and, you know, working in industry here in the UK. So um, I put that to Mr Lau. The Little People. That's a very good question. As a Chinese man in InfoSec and a talented photographer, I have indeed had a lot of challenges to overcome. First of all, 
I have had to soften or sometimes lose my English accent completely because many people would be disappointed when they see me, you know, when the voice just didn't match the look. No one took me seriously. So then I talk like this and then people feel like they got what they pay for. But then when I talk like this, people then ask me if I work for the China government. They ask me many dumb questions like, do I know how to use chopsticks or what is my TikTok name? So I had to then change to talking back like this, right? And speaking about photography, I don't know how, but people just know I'm a photographer. They just do. I mean, whenever I've had team meals or other work events, people always come up to me and ask me if I could take a photo of them. But they can already see I'm busy, very busy taking photos of my own food so I can put it up on Insta. I mean, their timing is just so bad, very bad time management. In fact, talking about management, I know somebody who was a very bad manager who went to TL2. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Are you recording this? The little people. You didn't tell me we had Uncle Roger. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I I just asked him. He he answered it all truthfully. There was no coercion on my part, no guiding him or anything. But there seemed to be a trend developing with uh, little people who used to work for you, Tom. I was just thinking that you, you, every single little people person that you find that's worked for me seems to be the only one that's had a problem with me. Well, you know, I don't know how they, you do it. If a hundred people say you're dead, you better lie down. What? <laughs> I've never heard that one before. You've not heard that one before? No. <laughs> You've been around since the fifties, honestly. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can you can Google it. I'm sure it's there. <laughs> That's hilarious. I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot. Anyway, yeah, I like that was that was good. I, I thought his third point was excellent. I'm gonna have to work out what he said as an aside towards the end, though. Um, that was that was uh, quite fascinating. I, I I you know I didn't know he could speak Chinese. <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, good. Excellent. So uh, that's it, I think, for this week. Um, Javad, thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, and Andy, thank you. You know what? I think you accidentally muted him instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> Still. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. And stay secure. Stay secure, my friend. <laughs> Host Unknown, the podcast, was written, performed, and produced by Andrew Agnes, Javad Malik, and Tom Langford. Copyright 2015, or something like that. Insert legal agreements here as applicable and binding in your country of residence. We thank you. I think if you keep Andy muted for the entire podcast next week, it would be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think we'd miss much content. I mean, he already sends out the show notes. We could just read them out. Exactly. Once he's done the show notes, then you just... Yeah, then we'll just mute him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we'll promise him that we won't mute him the next time. And, you know, he's he's like a, you know, he's, he's like a goldfish. He'll go one, once around the bowl and then he'll go, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> 
Not a problem at all. <laughs> Dory. 